Hello, hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to Piercing the Paradigm Podcast. It is your host, Or Jade, and today we are taking on Romantic Relationships Part 2. So just a few disclaimers before we get started. Number one, this episode is definitely rated 18 or older. If you are not 18, I do ask that you skip over this episode. That's number one. Number two, we are going to be talking about relationship trauma. So if that is something that you find triggering, I do ask that you either take this time to ground yourself and, you know, anchor in for this episode or return back to this episode when you feel like you're in a better place to really receive it and not be triggered. Number three, This is part two, romantic relationships. If you have not listened to part one, I suggest that you click off right this moment and go ahead and take a listen to part one. It, it, it's actually, it's very foundational to part two. And then lastly, my last episode of the father wound episode is actually a press like a predisposition or a predisposition oh look at me uh, <laughs> it is an episode that i would highly suggest taking a listen to before listening to part two of romantic relationships so just to recap if you have not listened to part one of romantic relationships or the father wound episode i highly suggest you go ahead and take a listen to both of those before returning to part two So now, in part one, we discussed how childhood trauma can influence how one, i.e. me, (laughs) shows up in romantic relationships. In this episode, part two, we're going to explore how unhealed relationship trauma can create unhealthy patterns in future and present connections. So I'm very excited (laughs) about this episode because I'm going to be sharing a lot of personal experiences based on relationships that I've had and I'm going to be sharing some stories that if you do not know me personally or if you did not go to high school with me then you do not know and now that I'm older I can laugh at them but also they were very (laughs) interesting in the moment and man it's going to be a really great way to express how unhealed relationship trauma can follow you as you progress in life and in romantic relationships all right so now i'll be using my first ever true relationship as my primary example and we're gonna call this person juju okay so i met juju in at the end of middle school like that summer between middle school and freshman year of high school and over the summer we really cultivated like a good friendship we weren't really dating but then again, you know, we were young, so it was kind of just like going with the flow. Um, he was the first boy to openly date me. Now, as I've been very vocal about in my past episodes, I am a plus-sized woman. I am also of darker skin, and I have kinky, coily hair. Growing up in the early 2000s, <laughs> um, I felt as though women or girls who looked like me were undesirable by the general population. We did not fit the the standard beauty definition or expectations at that time. So 
it, I found that a lot of the boys that I were interested in during that time were in fact not at all interested in me. So, however, I will say that from the beginning, our relationship was far from healthy and it was a a mix of my codependency and need for validation combined with his actions and interactions and the way he viewed life it cultivated such a weird dynamic between the two of us now i will say that for those of you who are spiritual folks we were both virgos or we are both virgos <laughs> and um at that time that was not something that i really played paid much attention to or allowed to really dictate how a relationship would play out but now that I'm older and I can look back at it and be like oh we were both Virgos so yeah I kind of get it um (laughs) but um so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna share some examples and events that took place during our four-year on and off again relationship and how they either altered how I showed up in my later relationships or how they was a manifestation of my childhood trauma. And we're just going to have like a really good chat about this and use this as the basis of understanding your own relationship trauma and patterns that are repeating themselves throughout your romantic connections as you continue to grow and mature, okay? So, number one, and this one was something that took me many years to admit and to say out loud, but we went through a period in the beginning stages of our relationship where he would hide me or he was ashamed to claim me. And what that looked like was there was times where after school, we would walk home together, but he would always wait until his friends had began walking and were further enough along so that they weren't able to see us together, right? And it was like, oh, you know, we didn't go to each other's lockers. We didn't hold hands in school. We didn't do anything that would give anyone else the idea that we were dating. And for a long period of time, I was okay with that. I didn't fuss or fight. I didn't want to rock the boat. I really just allowed him the space to to wallow in that fear of needing his friend's validation, right? For A, dating a big girl, which a lot of his friends were jocks they were on the sports team they were popular kids and here not that he was popular himself but I think he was popular by proxy this is just my personal opinion but anyways um and then you have me who's this you know I'm not popular people know who I am but I'm not popular I'm not somebody that's desired by the other guys around him so of course like his friends not agreeing with his decision of a girlfriend, he did not feel courageous enough to claim me for a long period of time. Now that I'm older, I'm realizing that how that either manifested as per my childhood trauma 
or what relationship trauma that created for me was that I settled to be with someone who was afraid to love me out loud. And that pattern is certainly something that had followed me for many years into adulthood to the point where if I was like, let's say online dating, right? I would always be sure to not put a full body picture because I don't care what nobody says. I'm pretty in the face. I might be thick in the waist, but I'm certainly pretty in the face. (laughs) But even so, I would never post a full body picture online, right? And then after a while talking to these to these you know talking to guys or getting to know guys before we set up to meet or when they would ask me to meet my first question would be do you date big girls do you like plus size girls like that became a like a question that was mandatory for me and that began like that i started to identify with with it as like, this is my identifier, like as if it was a part of my personality, being fat was a part of my personality, was a personality trait. When in all actually, like, in all, within, eh, wow, <laughs> I need to slow down because now I'm like tripping over my words. That's how excited I am about this episode. But because it's just going to get better from here. But anyways, <laughs> but that's how I really saw myself after a while, after that first relationship of being with somebody who was ashamed of me because I was fat literally altered my brain chemistry to automatically think that any guy from this point forward was going to be ashamed to be with me because I was fat. So not only did I allow myself to settle with somebody who was afraid to love me out loud, but I also began internalizing his fear of what other people would think. And to this day, now whilst this isn't the only reason I feel this way, to this day, I still grapple with the idea of what other people will think about my decisions and my choices or how other people will receive a relationship that I'm in, the guy that I'm dating, or like just other people's opinions that really shouldn't fucking matter to me. That's literally a relationship trauma manifestation for me so that was number one now number two and I think many people who have been in relationships can attest to this cheating (laughs) multiple times including breaking up with me to cheat so I granted we were in high school and at that time when when you're young, you think love and lust and sh- extreme desire and hormones equates to love, right? And to some extent, that is correct. Because when you're younger, you only know that extent of love, right? You don't know how expansive love is. You truly believe that that's what love is because that's what you know it to be, period. But when you're younger, you don't realize that relationships in high school are not all meant to last forever. But 
in high school, I couldn't see past that. I had already decided in my head that I was going to marry this guy and I was going to have all his little babies and that we were going to live happily ever after. So every time he cheated, I kept holding on to that concept in my head that I love this guy. I already know that I want to be his wife. I don't want to look for anything else. This is love. This is love. I'm going to stay, right? I'm going to take him back. And I kept accepting disrespect to keep the peace so he wouldn't leave, right? That was a manifestation of the codependency that was created in me through my childhood trauma. And then on top of having that codependent relationship, I didn't have enough self-respect or boundaries for myself to understand when it was time to leave, even if you genuinely felt that you loved this person, even if, we, if you genuinely thought that y'all were meant to be together, realizing that there had to be a level of self-respect when you said enough is enough and didn't allow that person to keep disrespecting your boundaries, right? And in addition to that, this was also a manifestation and related to my inner, my childhood trauma. Because as a child, I learned that A, boundaries didn't exist when you were a child. You did and you did and acted and behaved and spoke when your parents told you to speak, told you not to speak. You know, children are seen, not heard type of mentality. You can't lock your bedroom door. It was, it's a lot of different aspects that go into the fact that your parents, in some cases, can teach you that lack of boundaries is the way to go, right? Or that if you have boundaries with them, that it's disrespectful. So then you kind of learn not to create boundaries overall. And that was reflective in my first relationship, right? Whew, man. It literally got to the point where I started to believe that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't enough. Why could he not stop cheating if I was good enough, if he was my boyfriend? Why did he have to go and do these other things? Like, it was really bad. Like, in high school, I would have his his girls calling my phone and hanging up leaving me like really raunchy messages or stalking my MySpace. And for those of you who <laughs> are under the age of 30, don't worry about what MySpace is. It was basically Facebook. <laughs> but anyways, um, and then I really started to internalize that. Like I started to allow myself to be abused by out- people outside of our relationship. I allowed myself to take him back even when... I knew he was he wasn't sorry and he was going to do it again but that was because I lacked self-respect and boundaries right I didn't develop or understand my self-worth Now this one this one is interesting like I'm not even going to lie So like I mentioned in some cases like he would break up with me to cheat and we would go through a series of on and off again within the 4 years of high school So all four years, I 
I might have talked to other guys. Ooh. I might have talked to other guys, but I was not in a relationship with other guys. It was literally just like, I want to be with him. I want to be with him. <laughs> okay. Sometimes you get what you ask for, right? So that for me was representative of, of, of again, that codependency, but also the belief that romantic love was an emotional roller coaster. Mainly because it mirrored my parental attachment style, that hot and cold or the performative love, whereas unconditional love wasn't something that I was familiar to familiar with or had access to in order to replicate in a romantic relationship. And then again, that lack of boundaries and allowing a revolving door. It literally began to manifest itself as Oh, she doesn't have boundaries, so I can come back whenever I please. I can treat her however I please, and she's still going to accept me back. Whether or not at that time he had that level of understanding or thinking at that age, it still created that concept, right? Whether we were cognitive, like conscious, yeah, cognitive, yeah, cognitive of it or not, it still was representative of that belief system. Now, this one's going to be interesting. Number four, (laughs) prom night. So first and foremost, I'm going to preface this with, I will never forget one day he and I were sitting outside and I had already knew in my heart, like we were on a break. We weren't, we weren't together, but we were still like, let's be honest. I was still fooling around with him and he was the only person that I was fooling around with and that to me equated well he's definitely gonna take me to prom like he's taking me to prom and when i kind of more so told him that he was like well i'm not going and blah 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 he made a really big deal about us not going to prom together either way we ended up going to prom together matching and all i definitely looked beautiful might just post something on tiktok for you guys and tell you how to check it out but anyways um on prom night i will never forget he ditched me most of the night he wasn't with me at all like i don't even remember dancing with him specifically on prom night and i just remember at one point a whole crowd had gathered around somebody some people and of course I'm going to be nosy. I want to know what's going on. Like, I want to dance too. I want to get involved. And all I see is him posted up on the wall, getting <laughs> backed up on <laughs> and ridden by an ex-best friend of mine. Like, literally, the way that they were dancing, I'm sorry, but there was no way to not acknowledge the chemistry between the two of them or at least the connection but me being me I was like okay you know I was upset about it but I didn't want to acknowledge it out loud so that night (laughs) we still ended up going to the hotel and again I you know I kind of felt the need to prove that I was the better choice right performing for love and wanting to remind him that 
no matter who he danced with that night, you still are at the hotel with me. He kind of, kind of vibes. And funny thing, before we went to the hotel, I will never forget this. My mom made him sign a contract <laughs> that if he got me pregnant, <laughs> that he would have to take care of the baby. <laughs> so yeah, that that's literally, that's how my prom night went. I don't know about you guys, but um, so yeah. It literally became an internalization of, I feel threatened that another woman can garner his attention, re-triggering those thoughts of, I'm not enough. So I must do what I can to prove to him that I am the better and only choice. Not, he should be proving to me that he deserves my love. Like, that's literally... oh. Guys, I said I was going to stop using the word literally, and I think I'm at num- I'm at three now. We're going to start at like a literally counter. But <laughs> anyways, um, I, I really took it to heart from that point on that when a man began pulling away from me in relationships, or if he cheated on me, or if he stopped acknowledging me and treating me the way he treated me in the beginning that somehow I wasn't wasn't enough somehow I was lacking somehow I had to be and do better in order to keep his love and that's just not true but I can honestly say that although my childhood trauma related to performative love this particular relationship reinforced the idea that when it came to romantic love I had to be exactly what he wanted I had to do the best I had to look my best I had to do things that I probably wouldn't have wanted to do when I was asked to do them but out of fear that they would find somebody else, that attitude, well, what one one person won't do, another will, really stuck with me and made me overperform in all of my romantic relationships. It made me... create personas that fit the person I was dating at the time in order to seem compatible but in order to secure the relationship and seem like the best choice the best option there's nobody else for you it's just me unhealthy I know But at this particular time, I was between the ages of 14 and 16, 14 and 17, something like that. I'm I'm a September Virgo, so like my birthday was always after school started. So I always get mixed up with the ages. But anyway, it's irrelevant. But my point is. My brain hadn't fully developed. I didn't fully have the cognitive skills to understand what was happening, interpret how my childhood was playing a role in it. I didn't have the tools that I needed to comprehend 
being in a romantic relationship, essentially. That's what it really boils down to. So, so yeah, that was my prom night. That was fun. It was definitely something that if I could go back, I certainly would go back. I would go to prom stag and just make it about me and my friends and enjoying that moment that you never get back. But I spent my whole prom night alone by myself or chasing after him or trying to figure out what's wrong with him, why he didn't want to be with me and watching him dance with other girls. And it was hurtful. It was hurtful. And even though he hurt me, I still felt the need to prove to him that he he should choose me. Tragic, really. (laughs) Really, I wish I could hug my younger self and tell her that male the male validation or validation from anyone does not supersede self-validation and self-awareness. So now, the last one and probably my favorite part of the story. <laughs> so, we have this thing in our school, our high school. It's called Project Graduation, and I feel like it it's actually something that's common it seems like around the United States. But what Project Graduation is, is they take us to this like community center where there's games, a pool, different activities, food, all this other stuff. And we're locked in for 24 hours. So we have all of our teachers and chaperones and then the whole graduating class. So for me, that was about 300 plus students. And we're all locked into this building overnight, right? for the moment graduation ends till the next morning. And during project graduation, I spent the entire night trying to hang out with him, trying to get his attention, trying to be acknowledged by him. Now, one of the things that they offered at Project Graduation was these airbrush t-shirts. <coughs> Excuse me. And if you are from my era, <laughs> I grew I graduated in 2010. So if you are from I would say the year 2000 or maybe even 1998 to like 2012-ish, you know about airbrush t-shirts. They were the thing. But I remember same said ex-best friend from prom having a t-shirt airbrushed with Juju's name on it. And I put two and two together and I'm like, what the entire fuck? So, of course, I approached said ex-best friend and I asked them, I'm like, so why do you have Juju's name on your shirt? And they began to explain to me that they had been seeing Juju and fooling around with Juju too. And then we came to understand on the bus ride home, her and I sat together and fleshed out the details. We came to understand that not only was he fooling around with us at the same time, but sometimes on the same day. And that was the breaking straw for me 
because it finally clicked that this man does not care. Well, young man, boy, whatever, did not care about my safety, my bodily safety. He did not care about my emotions, my feelings. He did not care about my reputation or how it was going to look. And yet, this was also an ex-best friend of mine who knew we had been on and off again all four years of high school. So I blamed both of them. But only her and I were on a bus together. He was on a different bus. So while her and I are having this conversation and really putting two and two together and she's telling me that he told her that we weren't still together and da 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 you know, the typical save my ass cheater talk, right? Something inside me kind of just snapped because it made me realize that by allowing him back into my life every time he did things like this, I wasn't having care or concern for my body's safety. I wasn't having care or concern for my emotions and my mental health. I wasn't having care or concern for my own reputation. I was allowing it to reoccur time after time after time. But this time it really hit home because it was somebody I knew. Someone he knew I used to be best friends with. And he took advantage of the knowing that her and I were no longer close. And that it was very unlikely I would find out. Now here's the kicker. Come to find out years later, other people around me knew, but nobody told me. And it really, that whole experience, right, resulted in (laughs) a ton of relationship trauma. But number one, I lost trust in men. Like, I immediately lost trust in men. Even after all those prior times of cheating, This was the one that did it. This was the one that was like, you know, men ain't shit. Not that I agree with that sentiment now because I don't. But back then, that was my thinking. So either way, we get off the bus and everyone's kind of, everyone's tired. Nobody's really in the mood for anything. And I had a car and he didn't. And he was supposed to ride home with me. And... (laughs) I get off the bus and I approach him and I ask him with my ex-best friend standing there to tell me the truth. And honestly, guys, I could not tell you what he said to this day. I blacked out and I punched him right in the mouth. I was so angry. I just decked him. And I don't, I couldn't tell you if he fell. I couldn't tell you. I don't know what happened after. I don't. All I remember is getting in my car and leaving his ass right there. <laughs> That's all I could remember. And I actually wind up going to breakfast with my ex-best friend so we could finish the conversation because I needed to know. I needed to know. I needed to know how much he disrespected me. I needed to know how full of shit he was. 
and all the I love yous and I want to be with you. And I was so hurt, not because of the actions, but because of how much I had poured into this relationship. I used to pick him up and drop him off to work. I used I helped him fill out his his college applications, his FAFSA. I like he was like a fixture in my house. My mom loved him. He was always around my family. He knew my nieces. He he literally was so enmeshed in my life that it seemed as though every aspect that he ever touched felt tarnished or poisoned. Immediately every single memory we shared became a question of if it was real or valid or if it was all just a game to him when I had been taking it seriously all this time. So after that point, I had hardened myself and I told myself that no one would ever hurt me like that again. No one would ever have that power over me. And yet... Because I never took the time in between that relationship and my next relationship and the continuous string of relationships that I've had because of my unhealed childhood trauma and desire to be validated and loved and seeking attention outside of myself and my fear of abandonment I never stopped to heal all of the trauma that I had collected at this young age for the past, for over a a course of four years. I had just jumped into a new relationship right after that. And I realized that that relationship All that pent-up anger from never standing up for myself. I allowed it to take me out of character. Because up until that point, I have never put my hands on anybody. Unless it was in self-defense. But in that moment, violence is never the answer. But in that moment, it made me feel good. It made me feel vindicated. It made me feel... Like, you're finally going to see me. You're finally going to see how much you hurt me. Because all I want to do right now is hurt you. And realizing now that that pattern repeats itself. Or has repeated itself up until my last relationship. Where I finally realized that I will take shit time after time. I will allow people to treat me poorly. I will allow people to dictate my behaviors, my actions, and my opinions. And I won't stand up for myself under the guise of receiving love, right? And now as an adult, 
looking back on my string of relationships, that was the most prevalent pattern in all of my relationships. Not seeing my worth and acting accordingly. Allowing the people I was dating to assign my worth. Do you hear that? Allowing people outside of yourself to assign your worth. There is nothing more detrimental to your growth, your emotional and mental health than that, than giving your power away to other people. Relationship trauma is real. Relationship trauma not only happens in romantic relationships, it also happens in friendships. Because you put as much work and effort and love into friendships as you do romantic relationships, there's just no sexual aspect. You give gifts, you celebrate each other, you're supposed to support each other. You, you, you act as a shoulder to cry on. So a lot of this can also be reflective in your connections, in your friendships. So now that I've shared that story, I wanted to share some starter questions for healing relationship trauma. And I'm also going to share my answers. So now while, you, while usually I have just one journal prompt for you, today guys, I've got five. And you can either pick and choose which of the five you want to work on. You can work on all five. Or, you know, you can just speak it out loud. Whatever works for you, okay? But, um, man, number one, and for this particular exercise, I will ask that you guys start with your first romantic relationship or the first relationship you felt was a romantic connection the first of its kind if that makes any sense okay so number one what are common unhealthy patterns in your connections so what patterns do you see repeating that are unhealthy and you can use like i said your most your first romantic relationship or even Maybe your first long-term friendship even this can apply to if you are somebody who's never been in a relationship, a romantic relationship, I should say. So my answer to that would be, okay, so yeah, um, sorry guys, (laughs) it's going to be like a weird little jump cut, but don't worry about it. So yeah, um, a common unhealthy pattern for me is chameleoning. For me, that means kind of changing to fit in or changing to, like I said before, seem compatible to the person I wanted to be with or omitting parts of myself that that other person didn't find acceptable, Um, taking on some of their character traits or interests in order to better connect with them. And I'm doing air quotes. (laughs) So that's the inflection in my voice. Um, so yeah, that is definitely one of the most common unhealthy patterns that I tend to repeat. I'm single now, so I'm working on it. And I really wish I had found, I had did this work before I got married and before I got divorced for that matter. Shit. (laughs) But anyways, number two, 
In what ways did I not feel safe in past relationships? So for me, it's definitely emotional security. I always had been told that I was either too emotional, too soft, too um, emotionally invested, and in some cases clingy, which when I was younger, I will definitely admit to. I needed constant reassurance. I needed constant validation. So yes, when I was younger, I can totally attest to that and take accountability for that projection. However, I never felt secure enough in most of my relationships to fully express myself emotionally for that for that reason, okay? Number three, what did I allow in the past that I wouldn't now? Cheating. Hands down, you cannot cheat on me now and anticipate me to come back to you, me to for I'll forgive you, but for myself, not for you. But because you disrespected me, it'd be a long time before I even considered allowing you back in my space and in my energy because you are not only putting my body at risk, you're putting my mental and emotional health at risk. For those of us who are of spiritual nature or have a spirit lead a spiritual lifestyle you'll understand that sex creates soul ties and connections and essentially and this is a spiritual belief if this is doesn't if this doesn't resonate with you you can leave it where it is but as a spiritual belief is that who you have sex with right you are technically becoming energetically connected with the people that they have had sex with if they haven't cleansed or cleared themselves since that interaction. So any of the things that they're going through, depression, anxiety, whatever they're going through, now you are taking that on for yourself. You are energetically intertwined with that person and the people that they have shared their bodies with. So now with this spiritual understanding, there is no way in hell that cheating would be an offense that I would forgive in the sense of allowing you back into my space. It just wouldn't happen. So, number four. In what ways do I lose or abandon myself while I'm in relationships? Now, this was a hard reality to face and a big slap in my face to myself from myself. Because I realized that for me, it's self-sovereignty, identity, and independence. I tend to immerse myself in all of my relationships. I wholeheartedly dive headfirst into figuring this person out, making it work, um, learning ways to change myself to adapt to the relationship, right? Instead of growing with the relationship, it's more so altering myself, to fit into a relationship that essentially wasn't meant for me to begin with. Because if you have to change yourself in order to be in a relationship with someone, it's not genuine, it's not real. It's a figment of a persona that you have created in order to give this impression that you're A, compatible, B, um somebody that you're not essentially right and then my last question for you guys is what unhealthy habits 
do I exhibit or am drawn to in a partner? Now, this one I just realized recently and it was a wake up call for me because fuck. <laughs> but um, I, I had to admit that I was emotionally unavailable. And in being emotionally unavailable, in my case, not being able to sit with my emotions, express my emotions from years of being told that I was too emotional, that I had to suck it up, that I was being too sensitive. So I stopped sharing my emotions. I stopped experiencing my emotions. I kept it all bottled up. Because of that, I had a hard time being vulnerable in relationships and friendships for that matter. I had a hard time letting anybody touch me in my heart because of all the shit that I had been through in past relationships. My heart just kept getting harder and harder and harder because I did not want to keep experiencing that pain. But in being emotionally unavailable, that meant I attracted emotionally unavailable partners. Like attracts like, the law of attraction, right? So I couldn't for the life of me figure out why I kept attracting all these men who were not emotionally available, who wasn't affectionate, who wasn't romantic, who wasn't emotionally stable. And then I was like, oh shit, it's me. It's a mirror. I'm, they're mirroring me. That's what it is. And I was like, whoa, whoa, I did not realize that. So yeah, there, there are those five questions for you guys. A great jumpstart to healing your relationship trauma and taking a look at the, the ways that that trauma is manifesting itself in your romantic connections or even in your platonic relationships, your friendships, okay? So as always, I do have some books and resources for you. So go ahead and get a pen or you can just take a look at the description of this episode and you're going to find the title and the author listed there for you. So if you miss it, it's fine. It'll be in the description. So number one, The Overthinking Relationship Fix. This book is by Rodney Noble. Number two, Whole Again. This book, I've actually suggested, I believe, in part one of Romantic Relationships. So I'm going to put it here again because it's a good book um, by Jackson McKenzie. And McKenzie is M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. Okay. Then we have Trauma Bonding. Now, this one is important because a lot of people don't even realize they're in a trauma bond until it's too late. Y'all bonded. Now it's time to unbond, right? But that book is by William Avers, and Avers is A-V-E-R-S. And then lastly, I know for sure I provided this resource on Romantic Relationships Part 1, You Only Fall in Love Three Times by Kate Rose. Now, this book, whilst it is written in tone to women, the information is applicable to anyone, okay? It doesn't matter your gender or non-binary. This book, the information I find to be very valuable in comprehending why some of your relationships had to be the way they were in order for you to grow as a person, in order for you to have an understanding of what love isn't and what love is, right? So I will always 
champion that book because I think it's a great resource. Okay, so now we're going to wrap up our episode as we always do with a card, an oracle card. However, today I'm going to do something different. I've got two decks here with me. I've got the Romance Angels Oracle by Doreen Virtue. And we've got the Whispers of Healing um, by Angela Hartfield, as we usually we usually use. So now the reason that I've got these two is because one is about healing and one is about romance. So we're going to take a look at what needs to be healed romantically. Um, and what I am going to intend is that this message is going to be for anyone who will hear this podcast episode. So let's go ahead and get started. So let's see. What love messages do we have for our listeners? Spirit. What feeling needs to occur in your romantic life? Okay. All right. Well then. Interesting. Okay. So we've got our love card already. I'm not going to tell you guys what it is yet. And then let's get our healing card. Please clarify this card. Please clarify this card. All right, thank you. Oh my goodness. It's so funny because I've been saying this this whole episode, but let's get into it. So for our Romance our Angels Oracle, we've got give your relationship a chance, work on your partnership. And then for our healing card, we have boundaries. So what I'm getting from this is that you might be in a connection or a relationship where maybe it's feeling like you're not sure if you should give it a chance or if it's going to work out. But what I'm feeling is that you need to create boundaries for yourself within this relationship, but also communicate your boundaries with this person, right? Because if a person can respect your boundaries, that is a great foundation, one part to a great foundation of a relationship, right? It's not the, the, the whole sum of it, but it is just one part. So they're saying to really like heal your boundaries within relationships. Like if you lack them or if you don't communicate them or if you create what you think are boundaries but are really barriers, Really things that block you off from receiving and giving love, right? It's time for you to cultivate healthy boundaries in your relationships and in your connections. So that's what it's time to heal. And that's that's what I got for you guys. So we've got our dinner prompts. We've got our resources. And I think we are ready to wrap this up. So I hope you guys enjoyed Romantic Relationships Part 2. Um, like I said... <sighs> the healing journey is, uh, it can be a shit show, I'm not going to lie, but it's very rewarding and it only makes your growth and life in general get better as time goes on and as you continue to heal. So I'd like to say that I love you, beautiful souls, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Piercing the Paradigm podcast. I am your host, Aura Jade, and I wish you a loving and blessed, filled week with peace 
and serenity, okay? I'll check you guys in two weeks. Later, Gators.